0: Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. In Psalm 78, verse 1 through 22, we're going to read a good portion of Scripture today. This is a passage the Lord gave to me this past week. and. We have read out of this many times across the years that we have been together. So you may be well acquainted with it. But again, I believe that the message of God is always fresh and always very relevant for the moment. How many need encouragement today? How many might be going through something this morning that uh, is difficult? And uh, you might be in a position right now where you kind of question, am I ever going to get out of this situation? You know, it happens every time that we find ourselves in struggles that we do get the challenging thoughts or somehow we fall by the wayside in our trust in God and we begin to ask God, Lord, can you? Uh, Will you? Even though we have previously seen the greatness of God move in our lives, he's done great things. Has God done anything great in anybody's lives? I know that he has you to raise both hands because he has done great things in my life. Yes, he has. I'm a testimony of that. But how many know that when we face difficult times, irregardless of what God has done in the past, it is so easy for us to get that spiritual amnesia somehow that we forget what God has done. And all of a sudden, from that moment of declaration that we were living just moments before, Oh, Father, I love you. Oh, God, I trust in you. Lord, I know you're able, oh, Father, this and the other, and we are marching on like valiant soldiers, just believing with the fullness of assurity. All of a sudden, we have a train wreck somehow, emotionally, spiritually, financially, physically, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, all of that seems like that head-on collision seems to fly out every memory and every thought of what God has previously done. And next comes the question, God, can you? Can you? And though you've testified that God has done so many things and greater things has He done in our lives than even the situation you might be in today. And still, we have the audacity of asking God, can you? We're going to read a little bit into the lives of the people of Israel. And we're going to find that how God can love people in spite of our insecurities in in spite of our shortcomings and how we fail the Lord sometimes on a daily basis. God is so loving with us. And we see this testimony after testimony in Scripture of how God has used people to do great things. And they're marching along like, again, mighty soldiers in faith. And all of a sudden, the next chapter, you see where they fall by the wayside. But then you'll read the next chapter, and you'll see God come right back and scoop them up. Aren't you thankful that God is that kind of God? Aren't you thankful that when God sees us rub our shoulders with things that maybe shouldn't be or things we, we shouldn't do or mistakes that we've made inadvertently, still God will look and come back in His love. He'll keep, like we say here, we, He'll keep the light on the porch open so whenever you gain re-consciousness, you come. He'll come and He'll embrace you, pick you right back up. This is the testimony, the unending testimony of the people of Israel. Let's read a little bit before we go too far. Psalm 78 and 1. Please listen to the English and to the writings very carefully so that you can understand where these people are and how they fell into something and how God responded to their frailty. Oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter hidden things, things from old. Things from forever. What well, we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. This is no strange things. I'm basically recapping something from all the way beyond yesterday, something you've been told before. We will not hide them from our children. It's no secret to anybody. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power. And the wonders he has done. That's the whole secret. That's the whole topic of conversation. I'm going to talk to you and remind you of something you've been told over and over by your father. It wasn't even hidden by order to their children of how good and great and awesome God is. His decreed statutes for Jacob, for Israel. And his established law in Israel. Which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. It was a command to not keep that secrets of God to themselves, but to share it with their coming generation. So that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. That is, from their generation to the other generation and from their generation to the next and to the next generation. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Now we have the purpose of this whole conversation. We have the Lord saying, I'm going to remind you of something you've already been told. Something that's not new because the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was miraculous in power way in the olden days before old was even born. His parents were commanded to speak of those great things that God had already done all the way since the creation of the world. It was no secret for them to keep but to share with their children. And their children were instructed to share with theirs and to share with theirs. And so on we go. And here we are now, 2,000 years after Christ. And we know about Jesus because the Lord's word is true. Someone told us about the Lord. Amen. So somebody was listening to the commands of the Lord. Thank God for that. We are a product of obedience to God's word. Command these upon the generations to come. So the next generation would know them and even the children yet to be born. And they would turn, tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands they would not be like their forefathers because there was a generation before, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to Him. The men of Ephraim, though armed with bows and turned Back on the day of battle, they cowered at the face of adversity. People who were well equipped by God, people that were ready, armed, and skilled at the battles that they were going to face, still, when they faced adversity, here he brings memory that these men turned away, turned their backs to the battle, they shrank back. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by His law. They forgot. They forgot what He had done and the wonders He had shown them. To that point, everything that He spoke before. Now He's complaining. Everything that I'm telling you, everything that your fathers told you, everything that the next generation began to spread, and the next generation was to spread. All these things, men of battle, men of valor, because of adversity, forgot. And in the midst of their trial, they turned around, and they gave their back to God and said, no, it's not going to work out. They forgot what he had done, And the wonders he had shown them. He did miracles in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt and the region of Zoan. He divided. He begins to become specific. He begins to be specific. He divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand firm like a wall. He guided them with a cloud by day and with light from fire all night. He split the rocks in the desert and gave them water as abundant as the seas. Wow. Wow. I'm talking about your God. I mean, who can do that? Superman can't do that. The strongest heroes that men can conjure up. There is no wealth. There is no brain. There is no strength in this world to do anything like our God. This is why the scripture says that he is God and he is God alone. Hallelujah. Amen. I am the Lord, he declares, and beside me. Everybody's tiny. Beside me, there is no other. He brought streams out of a rocky crag and made water flow down like rivers. Ah, humanity. But they continued to sin against him. Rebelling in the desert against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the desert? When he struck the rock, water gushed out. We understand that the stream flowed abundantly. But can God also give us food? Can he supply meat for his people? A few verses down, the Bible says, The Lord was upset, and rightfully so. How many know that God really... More times than not has a reason to be upset with us. Amen. When I think about my walk with the Lord, I kind of get embarrassed sometimes to address him because I figure that if he was like me, he'd be absolutely boiling. He's got every reason to be upset with us sometimes. Because we're just a stubborn people, aren't we not? told us time and time again, he has revealed himself all powerful, mighty, holy, and everything that he is before us. We know about that. You just testified, God has done great things in my life. Then what's our problem? But he was upset. Are people not fully trusting in the Lord. The title of my conversation this morning is simply God is able. I wish I had some dramatic Im- unerasable title for this message but in the simplicity of these three words if you believe what the spirit of the Lord will tell you this morning in the simplicity of this devotional that I share with you your life will change your attitude about living in this world and while you wait for his second appearing will change but we are many times like that, that illustration I read to you years ago, if some of you may remember this, about a man named Jack who was hiking along a stiff cliff one day. He was on a hike on this very high, steep mountain, and there was a, a drop, a thousand foot drop to each side, and as he was walking along the way, he got careless and tripped, and he rolled down the side and started going faster. He was surely on the way down a thousand feet to his death, but he saw a limb sticking out of the wall, and he grabbed it, and it stopped him from falling to his death, and he realized that the limb he had a hold of was thin, and he's a big guy, and he figured that this limb wouldn't hold him forever. So immediately he had to think what to do. He began to look up a little bit and examine how far, he had, how far he had fallen. And it was quite the way. And then to his horror, he looked down and there's still a thousand feet below him. So there was no hope for him. And the only other thing to do was to cry out for help. And so we see now Jack crying out, help. Help, is anybody out there? Help, can anybody hear me? And for hours it seemed he yelled, hanging on to that limb, tired as he was, holding on. And finally he just resolved in his heart. He said, it's no use for me. I'm going to let go and accept my destiny. Surely death awaits me in just a few seconds when I hit that ground. And just when he was going to let go, he heard a voice that said, Jack. Jack. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, but where are you? Hello? Jack. Yes. Who is this? And where are you? He said, I am the Lord. I am everywhere. Oh, oh Lord, 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 Lord. Help me. Please help me. If you'll get me down from this, I will stop sinning. I'll be a real good person and I'll serve you the rest of my life. Only get me out of this horrible predicament that I am in now. Easy, easy, Jack on the promises. (laughs) Sound like me. Does it sound like you? (laughs) Oh, Lord, I'll do this. And I'll go to church every day. And I'll begin to tithe and I'll give offering, and I'll help. And we- easy. <laughs> easy, easy. Let's get you off of there and then we'll talk business. Is Jack, yes, sir? Listen carefully to what I'm going to tell you. Anything. Anything, be clear. I'll do it. Just say it. He said, let go. What? (laughs) Let go. What? Let go of the branch, Jack. (laughs) I am the Lord. There was a long... Moment of silence. Suspense was in the air. And all of a sudden you hear Yell Jack. Is anybody else out there? Anybody else out there? Doesn't it sound like us sometimes? We profess that we're going to do and undo for God. We say we want to serve him. We say we'll do anything he desires of us with our lives. But once the problem comes, we forget every promise we ever made. We forget everything he symbolized to me, to us, everything he is and who he is in our lives and what he's done before and the trust that we said we had before, all of a sudden just seems to fly out of sight. This was Israel's problem. This is what we find in this passage we've just read. These people were called to follow the Lord out of Egypt by faith and they started out joyfully believing Surely the intentions of the Lord was to take them to their own land in Canaan. However, if you know a little bit about their testimony, you'll know that every time these people came across a difficult time in their lives, they seemed to forget all that God had done for them previously. And not only that did they forget, were forgetful in that, but they began to question God. They put Him on a trial seat, if you will. And they begin to question and interrogate him and doubt him and say, can you do this? I guess if I can, in short, the whole attitude of the hearts of the people of Israel is summed up in two things in a question. Can God? Can God? Sometimes Christians live their life that way, you know. Our whole lives are summed up in those two words. Can God? Even though God has done great things for us, every time you come to a little stop, a a little bump in the road in your life, regardless of how grave or how easy it is, it always comes down to, Lord, sit on that chair. Can you? Can God? Now, I realize that this morning some of us may be going through some tough times. As I mentioned to you, my precious wife is feeling Ill, And we're going through a tough time in our home for the past three or four days. I've been the best nurse that I can to to help her recover from this. But it's a difficult time to see her weak. And maybe somebody here this morning is going through something physical, maybe financial, emotional, yes, even spiritual. And because of this difficulty of the circumstance that you're in today, you find yourself like the people of Israel saying... Can God. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God can. God can. You might be asking deep in your heart. You may not be saying it to people, but at at night when you pray, when you go to bed, you think of the situation more close to you because that's when everything seems to invade you is in the middle of the night. You're too busy today to think about too many things. But once you go to bed, how many know what I'm talking about? That's when every problem comes to invade you. And maybe in the middle of the night, you are like these people saying, I wonder if God can do this for me, if he can get me out of this situation. I've come to tell you in the simplicity of this message this morning that the God that you serve is still the king of glory. That he is a God of the impossibles. What is impossible to us is possible for him. I'm here to tell you that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did for the people of Israel before us, he will do for his people today in the present. God is able. It encourages me this morning to preach to you this way again. And I love to read these words for myself, but I pray that you would take truth in what the Holy Spirit would speak to your heart today. Because if you do, it'll change, as I said before, the direction of your life. It'll transform your attitude from a losing attitude to a winning attitude. It'll make you from take you from a doubting soul to a trusting saint. And God is looking for people who will trust and believe Him. Let's compare ourselves just a little bit to these people, can we? And let's look at the conditions of the hearts of the people of Israel at that moment. Number one, they were faithless. They found themselves in a faithless position because this is what it proves. Anytime you question God about something within his power, something about his ability, his capabilities... All you're revealing is a certain doubt in God that He is able. Has anybody asked you after they've seen you do good things, ah, can you do it? You think you can do it? It's because they don't have the full confidence in you. They don't have the full con- And these people did not have full faith in God. So much that full faith, when you have doubts in God, when you have doubts in someone, not only will it cause you to shrink back in fear, but it'll even cause your mouth to respond accordingly to that faithlessness you begin to speak against even. Psalm 78 and 19 says, they spoke against God saying, can God spread a table in the desert? When he struck the rock, water gushed out like the stream flowed abundantly. Look at the silliness of it. Yeah, sure, we saw him pull out water from a rock. Everybody does that. No, we saw him out of that rock. We saw him turn bitter waters into sweet water. We all drank. It was an endless ocean of nourishing and refreshing water. But come on, anybody can do that. Sure, they say. He struck the rock and water gushed out like streams that floated abundantly. But can he also give us food? Can he supply meat for his people? Now, again, let me take you a little bit more to the knowledge of these people. Who were these people? These people were the people of God. These were a people galled by his name. He called them Israel. You know what that means? It means... Sons or children of the, of the prince, of the king. These people were chosen, handpicked by God, a nation of the prince of peace himself. He willingly took ownership of them on his own. Remember, the Lord said it wasn't because you weren't more abundant. It wasn't because you were the best looking. It wasn't because you were the smartest. It wasn't because you were the most. It was because I loved you. This is why we are God's people, not because of our own ability, but because God's love is so great that He engulfs us, even though in the midst of sin, Jesus gave His life for us in love. This is who these people were. He was a people who should have trusted God without reservation. He was a people who understood that God went out of his way to pull them out of their slavery. He spent time in the desert training a man by the name of Moses and how to lead them, gave him directions how to lead them to that land of promise, Canaan. Here was a God who used both the elements and the creatures of this world to participate in his plan to subdue the hand of the strongest power of the earth of that day, which was the law and the government of Pharaoh. These people weren't just any people. But yet in the midst of all that, they were oblivious, absolutely mindless at that moment of whom they were And who God was. Isn't that like us sometimes? Maybe these people might resemble some of us in this place and this morning. Some of you at home possibly. See, the fact is that like them, we too were a people who were enslaved. We too are a people that couldn't offer God anything of value that he might consider us worthy of saving He, too, took time to orchestrate a man, a woman, a worship leader, a Sunday school teacher, a grandma, a mother, a brother. And train them on how to speak to you so that the Holy Spirit would come and pierce your heart and sway your heart to Jesus. How many remember when you were saved? Let me see a show of hands. You remember when you were saved? Maybe you don't remember, some of us like me, the exact date, but the hour. Some people say, yeah, September at 6 o'clock, 1972, I got, you know, that's awesome. I'm dyslectic, so I don't remember numbers very well. But I do remember I was saved, and I remember where I was. I may not remember the hour or the day, but I do remember I was there. And I remember. Now, how many remember who spoke to you about Jesus when you got saved? Not all of us maybe, right? I do. But those of you who do, let me tell you something. Those of you who do, and even those of you who don't remember who it was that spoke life into you. Did you know the Lord took time to prepare that person to speak to your heart? Think about that for a second. How special are you? That God would invade somebody else's life to say, listen, I'm going to prepare you. Because you see that lost critter over there? This is what you're going to say. You're not going to go on your own accord. You go... I'm preparing you now. This was Moses. Your Moses was being prepared. It may have been a worship leader who sang that song and ministered to you. And you gave your life to Christ. It may have been your Sunday school teacher in your class that began to speak to you about the salvation of Christ. And at that moment, it pierced your heart. It may have been your grandmother. Come here, son. Sit down, honey. Let me tell you about Jesus. And it was that, that moment. It was your dad. For me, it was my brother. For me, it was my wife. My wife. But God orchestrated and prepared these people to come to speak to you in the anointing of the Holy Spirit because we all that no one can come to Christ unless He is wooed by the Father. So they were working under the unction of the Father to cause you to break at heart and come to the Lord. See, the Lord took time to prepare Moses for them. How special is that? How special are we that God would again invade somebody's life and say, this moment and this time you're going to spend it with them. Yeah, well, I wanted to go to Fiesta, Texas. No, no, you're going to go here and you're going to meet this guy. Well, I'm not going to go to church. No, you're going to church and you're going to lead worship. And this guy is going to listen and he's going to get saved. No, no, I'm going to go ahead and give my class, my Sunday school class to sister because I'm really tired. No, no, you're going to teach Sunday school and you're going to speak about this. And your student is going to listen and they're going to receive Christ. I have prepared you for this moment. And this was the life of the, for the people of Israel. God orchestrated this man for them. How special, what I'm trying to get to is, how special. Don't you think that someone who is so valued should trust in the one who did all the work? With everything that God has done in your life, ladies and gentlemen, what he's done in my life, should we not be a people who trust God without reserve? That we should never put the Lord on trial and sit him down and say, well, listen, we know that you created the heavens and the earth, but you can, can you find me a job? Well, we know you split the Red Sea. I know that's 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 a a good good resume. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, But can you help me uh, get a home for my family? We do that to the Lord. As silly as it sounds, we should never question God. And as normal people, he understands we are nothing else but grains of sand. In our frailties, he understands us. But I'm telling you, blatantly, just simply question God because we seem to forget everything he's done. I'm here to tell you God can, God is able. God wants us not to be faithless. He wants us to be faith-filled. He wants us to be fully confident that he had brought us out all this way, not to drop us here, but to take us all the way. Hallelujah. So they were faithless. Secondly, ladies and gentlemen, the second disease they suffered of was they were forgetful. It's a funny thing. (laughs) I've never been 65 before. But maybe some of you old folks. Ah, not that many old folks. I'm probably one of the oldest here already. I remember coming to Rock of Ages years ago. I was one of the kids and I was the pastor. Now I'm the one that's crawling around the sanctuary with the rest of the older people. And I'm thankful. But I found out that in my age, maybe some of you have to, man, I forget things. I promise you I could have my keys in my hand and be looking for them. I could be sitting in my truck and wondering who took my truck when I parked in my driveway. Some of you young people are laughing, just wait. All those older people are saying, just wait. Amen. I was driving home years ago when I was 19 years old. 18 years old was living in Houston with my brother and we were working and so far deep in the city that when we drove to work we left at 5 and we came home. When we left the work time we get home about 9 o'clock at night because the city the drive was, everything is far in Houston. We were doing some work up there and we happened to leave just to finish this contract that we had. We happened to leave at like 12 o'clock at night so I knew we'd be home by 2, 3 in the morning and by 12.30 at night my brother was driving. He's older than I. He was like And I looked at him and said, wake up, man. And I was 19. I was ready to go to California if you wanted to go. And he turned around and he says, you're going to remember, man. This will be you one day. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I can't drive to San Antonio at 4 o'clock in the afternoon without wanting to stop at the rest area and take a nap. <laughs> but as we get older, our, our strength, and we forget things, and that's what these people were. They were forgetful. Again, we go back to the same scripture in verse 2, chapter 78 of the Psalms. And we'll, I'll just paraphrase for you for the sake of time. But here the Lord is telling him, listen, I'm going to tell you these things that I've told your parents. Your parents have told you this. You've told your children. Your children are telling their children. And their children are telling their children. So generation to generation, everybody knew, knows about the greatness of God. You know this very well. He said you understood that. The Lord said, "I told you, and yet you still didn't get it." Okay, we understand then why you would forget. But He said, "No, you heard it and you understood it. You heard it and you understood it." But at this moment, everything they even they understood, they seem to forget. They forgot what the Lord did for them. He parted the Red Sea, as the scripture just read. He made waters from Merah pure. He, he, He had put their enemies to run. Just to mention a few, he split the Red Sea for them. He drowned Pharaoh's men. All these things. And how amazing, how incredible, ladies and gentlemen, that God had proven himself time and time again to them, over and over again, how mighty and powerful he is. And they understood that when they saw that. Yet, at the moment of adversity, they said, God who? How strong is he? How able is he? Does this mirror anybody in this house today? Does this speak to anyone this morning? Again, I tell you, sometimes it reminds me of me in my own life. When things get tough, regardless of what God has done. troubles sometimes bring a spiritual amnesia into the hearts of people. And when you have that spiritual amnesia. That spirals you off into a panic and disillusion, disappointment, anxiety, and even bad confessions. This is what people murmur and complain. And not only against the thing that you're going through or people around you, but even against God. Happens to all of us. I want to ask you this morning as I continue. How many times has the Lord delivered you? I want you just to answer. I just want you to think in your heart. I want you to think of the most difficult time just for a moment in your life. And you've seen the Lord deliver you. How many times has the Lord moved a mountain for you? How many times have the Lord separated an impassable water, a river of water of troubles? How many times has He lifted the veil of affliction and suffering from you? How many times has He opened heaven, allowing you to see His glory, and He comes to brighten your day? How many times has He done impossible things and proven Himself to be your God in your life? How many times? You know, I believe that men can do a lot of things. But one thing that man cannot do, even the greatest mathematicians in the world, you know what it is? Is count their blessings. You may be great at numbers. I don't care how wonderful, how great you are. You may be the greatest mathematician in the world. You may be a walking calculator. But you'll never be able to count the blessings of God. They are too vast and they are too many. But we forget his goodness at times. We forget. These people were forgetful. And because of that, it caused them to offend the heart of God by saying, can you? We've seen you do some things, but listen, to see you get out of this. Remember the scripture said they begin to demand things they craved. Well, do it. This is where you have the foolishness of people in this world. Well, where was God during this time? As if God was at your Beacon call like, your sugar daddy. You understand that. It's fact. Like if he was your puppet. Where was he? Just trying to find something to blame God with. I'll tell you where God was. God was with those who trusted him. You'll always find God where, where people trust him. God is always with people who trust Him. And these people forgot Him. That led them also, and what unbelief and forgetfulness will do to you is it will make you foolish. That's what these people were. They were also foolish. Pastor, how can we say that they are foolish in the audacity that they had to simply question God as if He couldn't do it? The audacity to ask, can you? You see, to ask, can you, proves a couple of things, ladies and gentlemen. It's not that we can't, because God knows, again, I say to you, that we are nothing but grains of sand. We are frail. We are incomplete if you, in our flesh, if you will. So we, we fall at times, and we slip from certain concrete places we should be at. And so God understands that, but still... When you ask God over and over, can you, can you, what it reveals about you is your ignorance of the power, ability, and the willingness and faithfulness of God. That's what it does. When you ask God so many times, can you, can you, can you, you feel like almost God should ask you, well, don't you believe me? Don't you believe me? Don't you believe I'm faithful? In their wonderings, they asked the Lord time and time again. When they were hungry, can God? When they were cold, can God? When they were thirsty, can God? When they were facing adversity, can God? Can God? Can God? Can God? Can God? God? And people sometimes live their lives. Christians will live their life always with a can God. In their lives. And they expect God to really fully move 100% all the time. God can't move in doubt. God can't sit for a moment on your trial chair as you question and interrogate him. Well, see if you can prove to me how big you really are. God doesn't have to prove himself to anybody. It is a privilege for us to have a Savior like ours. So I believe that it's time for us to change our conversation, our language to God. Instead of complaining, start declaring. Not questioning can God, but saying God can. There's a difference, ladies and gentlemen. I said to you about Paul, Paul teaches us not to be whiners, but to learn how to live as winners. Amen? I think that's what we need to do. I believe that God is looking for a church that trusts in him to walk around like winners. To walk around in the authority that we know that we have because we possess him. Not an authority we have for us, in us, by us, but an authority that we walk with because He shadows us us in His power. We are a promised people. We too are hand-chosen by the Lord. We must try always not to resemble these people in that particular attitude, to ask in foolishness to God all the time over concerning any business. Lord, do you have the power to do this? You know, I'm grateful, and this is no boast at all, but I can only be factual from this pulpit as the Lord allows me this morning. But I go back to the old. It's almost monotonous now and cliche for me to tell you about the situation I went through just four years ago. Which, by the way, may I just simply plug in that I went for my blood test this past Friday. And it's still all green. No red marks. I worry. And there's sometimes like I hope God. Right? But they took my blood and yesterday morning, Saturday morning, I got my results. And I said, Lord, let your will be done. And I opened my app where I get my results. My green and green. I said, here come the red lines. Here come the red lines. Bad, bad, bad. Green, green, green. And I got to the disclosure of private information. That was it. There was no more green to give me. Everything was green. My blood is excellent. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I can tell you about that experience, ladies and gentlemen. I am so thankful for that few tests I have passed in life. Few tests. But there's a couple of tests I really, really gloat over in my heart and make me happy. And that is that when I went through that situation and I knew I had previously gone through the experience of having my heart stop and then understanding that they did everything they could to bring me back and they did. And then as critical as I was, they still felt the need to go in and do my liver transplant. I remember thinking to myself, in fact, I recorded a really nonsensical video for you because I was already on drugs. I know I said silly things. I don't even like to watch it. I'm embarrassed. But I was trying to convey to you of how confident I was. And I said in my heart, I said, you know, Lord, I'm 62 years old at this time. And I have lived... A good life. Simply because of your grace and your mercy. Have I done good things all my life? No, absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm still here. I said, I'm going in. They had just asked me, Are you ready to go in, Mr. Soto? I said, Absolutely, let's go. Without hesitation, like, Wait, let me tell you something. And I went in with this confidence, knowing, as I told on video, And I said to myself time and time again, if I do not come out of this operating room, because many by the hundreds do not. I'm good with the Lord. I'm good with my Savior. And I never said one time, Lord. You think you can make my liver well again? Few tests I've ever passed. That's my teachers in school. I was really bad in high school and college. But that one test, I can stand, healed boldly, and not lie to you in the presence of the Lord. And I know that my teacher in heaven says, yeah, he passed it. There wasn't a red mark. Because of my confidence in him saying, Lord, can you? During the most detrimental time of my life. I said, Lord, even if you don't. I'm still good with you. Take me home. Ladies and gentlemen, I have family. I have children. I have grandchildren. I have you. I have a ministry. I have sons-in-law. I have a lot of things just like you. I have a lot of reasons to live for. But God wants us to take Go off into a place where we can fully trust him that even if we don't get those things or have those things, he is still worthy of his praise. That still he is all God and all able. That what is happening should one day and one day I will stop breathing upon the face of this earth via whatever circumstance God allows in my life to leave you. But that will not change the fact that he is God and all able because even the passing of my life into eternity was him getting his way. You understand that? That even if I drop here today and God takes me off to eternity, don't complain because God just got his way. God just, oh, he died. Oh, I wonder what killed him. Nothing. God, in my life, I don't know about yours, in my life, God gets his way. And we have to live with that kind of confidence that if I don't make it home, I'm missing my wife. Even as I'm standing up here today preaching to you, I'm wondering how she's doing. She has to eat pretty soon. But even if I don't make it home... To see her again. If I don't see my grandchildren again. If I don't preach another sermon behind this pulpit. Don't cry for me. God got his way in my life. Hallelujah. He wants us to get to that faith. That regardless of how troubling the situation we may be in. You never put God on the trial seat. Can you God? What do we want God to do? You remember that rich man and Lazarus, when they died, they both went to their destinations and the rich man went to the bosom of hell. And he understood too late in his walk that indeed Christ was real and Sebastian was real and serving the Lord was something he should have done during his rich life. And he speaks to Abraham, remember? He said, man, it's hot down here. Can you please at least cool your finger and cool my tongue? He said, I can't do that. There's a separation between you and I. He said, well, at least give me a chance to get up and go tell my brothers that all of this that we've been told before is true. That truly there is a Savior. That true, I should live my life for God. And he said, no, no, no. There's no need for that. You already got Jesus, man. If people can't believe enough to trust Jesus, they're not going to believe anything else. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that if you're expecting God to prove Himself by giving you great things, what happened to Jesus? Amen? If you're expecting God to give you great things and to prove yourself, well, can God? What happened? To the sacrifice. What happened to all he's done? What happened to the parting of the Red Sea? What happened to the gushing of the water from the rock? What happened to the manna from heaven? What happened to the pillar of fire by night? What happened to the cloud by day? What happened to the resurrection? What happened to the healing? What happened to the birth of your daughter that wasn't supposed to be born? What happened about getting you out of the hospital when you were supposed to die? What happened to all these things? And to have the audacity to say, God, can you? I'm here to tell you. God can. God can. He's unchanging. That's all God wanted to prove to these people. Look, I've already told you. I've already shown you, remember? Look back just a little bit. You know, we're always against looking back. Don't look back, brother. Look forward. I understand that. And that's always in reverence, not to feel condemned about the life you used to live. I get that. I've heard great illustrations. This is why in a car you have a small rearview mirror, because that's how far you're supposed to look back. But the windshield is huge, so you can look forward. I get it. But if there's something for us to look back to, ladies and gentlemen, that's a benefit to you, is to look back and see how much God has done for you already. That's a good reason to look back. I may never tell you to look back to your past life so that you can feel that sense of condemnation because of how ugly we were. Because we were lost and on our way to hell if you look back far enough. So we'll never look back for that reason to feel that condemnation for there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if we are to look back and this morning I would ask you just to look back with me just for a little bit and look back of everything God has done for you and bring that experience the joy and and the excitement that you felt when God delivered you gave you that job, gave you the healing gave you the wife, gave you the children gave you everything the same joy you feel bring it up to today because that God that did it yesterday is right here at this moment today That's the only thing that's good about past glory, to bring you good memories. But they're good for nothing, ladies and gentlemen, if all they are are past glories. And how you live today and as a can God experience right now. God has been faithful to every promise, Second Corinthians 1 and 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, amen, is spoken to us through the glory of God. There are scriptures, glory in the scripture that remind us of this truth, Romans 4 and 21, and being fully assured what God has promised, he was also able to perform. Hebrews 6 and 18, so that by two unchangeable things, unchangeable things, two unchangeable things in which it is impossible one for God to lie. We who have taken refuge would have strong, listen, this is the reason why God doesn't lie to us. This is one of the reasons He gives us in Scripture, why He does not lie to us. For those of us who take refuge in Him would have a strong sense of encouragement to take hold of hope set before us. In other words, what this Word tells us, ladies and gentlemen, is that when God reveals and said to us, the reason He tells us, listen, I'm no lie to you. I'm truthful to you. Take that to your heart. If you know that the God you are serving, when you move forward, it doesn't matter what you face because you know He's not lying. He's going to come through with the situation. Every word that God has spoken in your life, listen to me carefully. You better make sure you know this it will bear its fruit. The Bible says that the Lord is not a man that he should change his mind or the son of man that he should repent. Every single word. You know what Isaiah says and how he sends his word out? I believe the Lord stands at attention at the threshold of his house when he sends his word and he's looking at the word, making sure that his word fulfills its purpose. If the Lord said he's taking us home to glory, you better be ready. If the Lord said, I am the Lord that healeth thee, you need to start believing. The Lord said, I will provide you all things. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those that love him. Then you need to start believing that today. Stop living the life of a victim. And start walking like the victor that you are. Stop your whining. Your complaining. And start declaring victory. The God that you serve doesn't change his mind about anything, and he hasn't changed his mind about you. These people had everything. The Lord took time to tell them, and he sent people to tell them. He sent prepared people to show them, and they forgot. God forbid, ladies and gentlemen, that we forget. This is where depression states in. This is when all this ugliness, your body begins to fall apart. Your mind begins to run rampant and the devil has his way with you. You live a life of despair. This is why there are millions of medications today, even in the lives of Christians, taking them for anxieties and depressions and all these things. And all it is, it's trying to fix the amnesia. Of being grateful to a God that has proven himself faithful over and over. The Lord has been faithful in every one of his actions. Everything he has promised us, he has done. He said, I will never leave you as orphans. He said, behold, I will be with you till the end of the age. He told the people of Israel, if from there you will call me, you will find me. If you'll search for me me with all of your heart. He said, I am the Lord, your help in present trouble. The Lord said that there is no weapon forged against you that will prosper. The Lord said, even in your gray hairs. I will sustain you with my right hand. You don't have to worry about the arrow that flies by day or night. You don't have to worry about the scorching of the sun. You don't have to worry about hunger or having no, nothing to quench your thirst. The Lord has commands over even the fowl of the air to give you meat in your times of hunger. The Lord has commands over the elements of the earth that if He should speak to a rock, it will gush forth water. What is it that would cause you to ask, Can God? In this house, we will declare, God can. Would you stand to your feet with me? These people fail the Lord. As we see testimony in Psalm 78. But God never hesitates to reveal his heart. The Bible says that if we are unfaithful, he is faithful. That just because we are unfaithful, he cannot challenge himself to be unfaithful. He cannot be inconstant. He cannot be uh, uh, in any way uh, unaccountable. He cannot be anything negative. He is everything complete. But the Bible teaches us that these people were indeed unfaithful, but God was faithful. Listen to this. And I want you to take this home with you. Verse 37 of Psalms thirty seventy-eight says, Their hearts were not loyal to Him. They were not faithful to His covenant. Mm. Yet. Everybody say yet. You know, I love that word when we're speaking about the Lord. Say, so, you know, this was happening. And and this, but yet. And when you're talking about God and you mention yet, you know God's about to step in with something. I loved it this morning. I had to read it out of the Spanish version. It, it said, sin embargo. Eh? Eran infieles hacia Dios. Sin embargo. oh Uh-oh. <laughs> Oh, somebody with authority just walked in. La gente era infiel, no tenía confianza en el Señor. Pero sin embargo, a través de ello, más allá, aunque faltamos, aunque fueron cortos en su esperanza y su fe en Dios, sin embargo, dice. Como que entra el Señor. What's going on here? Oh, this is what's happening, you know. It's all been a mess. Uh, uh, Yet. I love that. That's the kind of God that I serve. He's a yet God. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Help me. I'm going through this situation, and and they're telling me this. Yet. Uh, I know, but... (laughs) There's no possible way. I mean, they're cutting hours, and, you know, the doctor said this, and and this is, and yet. Yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time, he restrained his anger. Didn't say he didn't get upset. Some of you think, oh, God never gets mad at me. Oh, I'm sure he's dressed an ulcer or two over you. (laughs) Time after time, he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. He may have shown you just a little bit of a heated moment, but you don't know. He's a consuming fire. He remembered... That they were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. How awesome to know! It just proves God's Word so faithful that we have the most awesome high priest that stands on our behalf. He's able to have compassion in us because He knows that we fail. It's okay if you're here today and you know that this past week was a trouble for you. Sometimes we rub shoulders with things that we shouldn't. We think things we shouldn't. We may have said something that slipped out that we shouldn't, but quickly the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes to repent. God knows how frail we are. And he refrains himself from showing the anger he hates in sin. And he chooses to reveal how great his love for you. These people fail the Lord time and time again. But in his goodness, the Bible says that he opened the fountains of heaven and blessed them. He commanded the fowls of the air. He commanded bread from heaven. He commanded water from the rock. He did so many things to provide for them. And even to this very day today, although half of the world disagrees, we bless the people of Israel. Because they still, regardless of their inconsistency, we know that they've messed up big time. But they are still the apple of God's eye. And today, we should feel the same way about each other. That when we mess up, nobody gave you the gavel and sat you in the judge's seat because the person that we have failed or the person that has indeed messed up is still the apple of his eye. And it's up to him how to deal with us. And if he deals with us, the way he's dealt with people in the past. While people say, yeah, but you, you can say, yeah, but yet. Now, that's not an excuse and a license to sin. Don't anybody walk out of here and start living like the devil. But whenever situations come that cause you to stifle, And the world may come crashing against you. While they say, no, you're no, you'll say, oh, he said yet. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, if you take anything with you, I'm done. God can. God is able. God is able.